Welcome to episode number 24 of the Jackson Hole Connection. I am Stephan Abrams, your host and guide into the people of Jackson Hole. My guest today is my awesome friend, Dr. Lisa Finkelstein. Lisa and her husband moved to Jackson Hole with their daughters in search of the mountain town lifestyle. Lisa opened her own urology practice and was known in town as the PP Doctor because that's what her license plate read. With Lisa's easygoing bedside manner and funny wit, she helped raise the bar for medical care in our community. Lisa is now semi-retired from urology. She is the president of the Wyoming Medical Society, the medical director of telehealth at St. John's Hospital, and is an active member in the Physicians Leadership Mentoring Group. Lisa will share with us today information about telehealth and how this young field in medicine can revolutionize medical access around the world. Before we begin, I have a quick word from one of my sponsors. Jackson Hole Marketplace, the small market in Jackson Hole with a huge reach. Stop in for hot coffee and homemade breakfast in the morning, awesome lunches in the afternoon, and finish the day with a soft serve ice cream and a six pack of beer. Need catering for breakfast or lunch? They can do it and deliver for free. Want to know more? Visit jhmarketplace.com. Lisa, thank you for coming into the office today. I'm so excited to learn more about what you're doing with telehealth here in the state of Wyoming. Stefan, thank you for inviting me. It's also exciting for me to talk about telehealth and this initiative that I've been doing the past year. So Lisa, before we get into telehealth, medicine, you being a doctor, let's start off with giving everybody a little bit of history of how you landed here in the big, beautiful state of Wyoming. Well, I think my story is probably similar to many stories in that the main reason is my husband loves to ski. (laughs) My husband is a physician also. Uh, We trained in Michigan, stayed in Michigan for 15 years. Our kids were born there. We have two daughters. And after about 15 years, we said, this doesn't really feel like home and we were thinking about moving. And so I got my license in Florida where it was warm and toasty, since I'm not a big fan of the cold. (laughs) And my husband got his license in Wyoming because he wanted to come to Jackson Hole and ski. And they needed an anesthesiologist. So being a urologist, they decided that we could come as a package and then we landed here Uh, It was a big cultural change for me. Um, I'm not a huge skier, although I love the outdoors and I love the magnificence of the place for sure. But we've been here now for 16 years and I've learned how to ski and I love love Wyoming. It's a unique place with, and I say that with all my heart because I love this state as well. Well, I'm glad that you and Mark made it here. Yeah, we are too. So... You practiced urology for quite some time, and now you are semi-retired from there. Congratulations. Thank you. But you have a new initiative that you are working on. I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about what drove you to transition from your successful practice in urology to being a part of this new initiative that you are creating and growing here in Wyoming. So... The way this came about was a little bit of a process. Back in 2011, Wyoming offered a grant where you could have a camera that was attached to your computer 
and try this concept of telemedicine. And I traveled to rural clinics for 12 years. I drove to Pinedale twice a month and flew to Rock Springs twice a month. So it was very clear to me that there was many times where it was difficult for patients to access their providers for many reasons. One of them is just look outside the window today where we're about to get another foot of snow and patients can't get to their doctors, the doctors can't get to their patients. And so I thought I would try this. So back in 2011, it was a little bit early, meaning that myself and another family doctor tried it. But what would happen is if somebody used the fax machine at the Pinedale Clinic, the whole thing (laughs) would bomb. And so we really, really tried for about a year, a couple times, but it wasn't ready. So I, I stopped and I forgot about it. Move ahead to 2018, and I have also been very involved in the Wyoming Medical Society throughout the last seven or eight years, and this year I'm the current president of the Medical Society. Congratulations. Thank you. It's very exciting. And so I made a very conscious decision uh, before my year started that I wanted to delve into something that was positive in medicine. And I've always thought about telemedicine as something that could be a great way for Wyoming to connect patients to their physicians. And the truth is, is that we are now very ready for this technology to work beautifully. There's a lot of people that have been working behind the scenes to make it happen. The boring work of taking down the barriers of having HIPAA compliant licenses to utilize this type of FaceTime technology. Uh, The internet is established and reliable. We have great speakers, as you can tell today, uh, microphones that work well to, to engage patients. So I really started digging in deep on this subject this past year. Uh, I've spoken to the legislative uh, committees about telehealth. The governors, when they were running for governor this year, they were all talking about telehealth. It is a buzzword right now, really for the entire country. And Wyoming has a wonderful opportunity right now to make this a huge success for our rural state. Thank you for taking on this initiative. It sounds as though for people to receive medical care can be revolutionary. But me being somebody who loves technology, it's still tough to conceptualize how technology can help in replacing a doctor at times. So tell us how how will it replace this? Because, yeah, people live in very rural areas, not just here in Wyoming, but all globally. And as you said in uh, the pre-show, that this can make an enormous impact globally. So how, how will this work? I think the best way to talk about it is to give you a, some specific examples okay. uh, of how this works with a patient. So I'm a urologist, and you would think that I'm a surgeon, and what I do is have to examine patients, have to operate on people. And so how could how could we have teleurology? Well, the reality is is that many of us in all different subspecialties or primary care don't necessarily have to touch a patient all the time. 
So the first patient that I did uh, with telemedicine this year was a patient who is from Dubois, which is over Togedy Pass, and she has uh, multiple sclerosis. She's 50. She can barely walk. She can't drive, and she couldn't pee. Hence, she had to see a urologist. So I saw her twice physically, worked her up, taught her how to catheterize herself. And then I said to her, well, the next visit, I'd like to go over what you're doing, how you're doing. Would you want to do your next visit using this type of technology so you don't have to come over the pass? I didn't have the sentence out of my mouth. And she said, I'm in. (laughs) So there happens to be a nurse practitioner, Tracy Baum, who has practiced in Alaska, who gets telemedicine because that state has been utilizing the technology for a while. So she had has a room in her clinic that's set up similar to this, but she has a nice screen for the patient. And so what we do is we use a video conferencing platform called Zoom, which a lot of people are familiar with. But the state of Wyoming for the past couple of years has a unbelievable opportunity for providers. You sign up on our Wyoming telehealth network and you get a free HIPAA compliant Zoom license, which allows me to engage with a patient on a video conferencing platform so it's privacy protected, which is very important. And so it's basically just sending out an email and a link and you click on the link just like you would with Zoom. And she comes up on the screen and I come up on the screen in my office and we talk for 15 minutes. The insurance companies are also now way on board with this, which was one of the pieces and one of the barriers that was missing over the last several years was how are the physicians going to get paid for this type of visit? And so this particular patient was uh, Medicare and Medicaid. And so we were able to bill the insurance companies the originating site gets paid a small fee, like 20 25 bucks for their room. And then I get paid for my visit, which was like 55 bucks or something like that. And then she did not have to take a whole day to come and see me to review what she had been doing for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So every practice of medicine can utilize this. If you're a cardiology patient, a cardiac patient, and you have chronic diseases like atrial fibrillation or congestive heart failure, we have devices that patients can utilize at home. We call them remote patient monitoring, where you can use your iPhone to see whether or not you're in normal rhythm or you're in atrial fibrillation, and the doctor can see that from a distance. And then you can engage with the patient on a screen to talk about what the results are from their remote patient monitoring. We have now what we call tele-otoscopes, tele-ophthalmoscopes, tele-stethoscopes, high-def cameras that you can show on your, on your skin for rashes, for dermatology, and all it is is plugging those devices into a USB port. At the originating site, the nurse can direct those things to your ear, your eye, your heart, and then the doctor at the other end can visualize that. We have telestroke in the emergency room where we have physicians who are out of tertiary care centers like University of Utah or ERMAC or even Casper, Wyoming, where we have a neurology group 
that are uh, helping ER physicians decide how to manage acute stroke patients that come through the ER using cameras and computers and have access to their MRIs and CAT scans. So I could go on and on and give you numerous examples of how this technology works. The biggest next piece, the last mile, is to get buy-in from patients and providers. And that's where we're running into the, the final barrier. Wow. Who knew that you could have such an intimate visit with your doctor via a conference call platform that I use for business meetings and at times recording the podcast. Right. You can see, and I can see, I'm looking at Stefan right now, and I can see that he's thinking about questions and different ways that he could maybe utilize the service. And one of the exciting things for me as a physician has been going around the state as the president of the Wyoming Medical Society, but then now also engaging in my hospital, where I go to each different department, engage with very smart people, and watch their brains start ticking about, oh, well, I could utilize it for this. I could utilize it for that. This doesn't work for me, but this works for me. These are endless ideas that are just so fascinating to watch happen. I love it. And you you said that when you became president of the Wyoming Medical Society that you wanted to use that year to accomplish something positive for medicine. Was this on the forefront of your mind, your thinking, or did it take a little bit of reflecting for you to come up with this idea? It was kind of strange that it did not require a thoughtful, reflective process for me. It literally jumped into my brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened. I I think what I knew was that I didn't really want to listen to physicians complain about this thing and that thing. And, you know, we have a lot to complain about. It's doctors are not really a happy bunch right now. (laughs) And so this concept has been in my brain for a long time and somehow it popped in there. I can't even tell you how. And it was sort of an aha moment. This is what I'm going to focus on. And I've been like a hyper-focused laser beam on telehealth. It, it sounds that way. And the inroads that you can make to for medical care here in, in this rural state are probably haven't been thought about completely as far as everything that will be done with telemedicine, telehealth. And you've used both words, telehealth, te- telemedicine. Are they synonymous? So in my mind as a physician, I think of medicine as always in my brain. But I've been educated to know that telehealth is really the broader concept because what that does is incorporate things like uh, education, for instance, diabetes education. So it's not necessarily a physician talking about, you know, your medical issue, but it's also all the different allied health professionals that are out there educating patients for all kinds of things, whether it's you know, how to utilize physical therapy post-op after you've had your hip replaced. So telehealth is that encompassing term, and telemedicine is within telehealth. Okay. And in the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about the consistency of a patient seeing a provider. So 
your vision is not that somebody's going to be calling a service that your insurance company offers, call this doctor and you can get a prescription. You're looking for where there's an actual connectedness between the patient and the provider. Right. So in the past five years, because technology is so robust, a lot of big companies have taken advantage of that. So what you're talking about, so there's a company that is actually on the stock market called Teladoc. Teladoc has grown into a probably, I'm, I'm just going to make up a number, but a billion dollar company where they hire physicians who is, in my mind, I think of it like Uber. So it's physicians who want to do this sort of side hustle where if they have time, they want to make a little bit of money, they can sign up to this with this company and insurance companies are utilizing the service in their product that you have the ability to use an app on your phone to engage with a physician or a PA or whatever if they're licensed in your state because that's one of the laws that if you have a sore throat or if you think you have your kid is sick and you don't want to get in the car and do all that you can engage with a provider and it's the typical visit is like six or seven minutes and that's great for some things and I of course I'm not going to negate all that that aspect of telemedicine but my focus is really on the network of Wyoming since there's so few people there are so few physicians that we should be able to utilize what this technology can provide where you can engage with your physician in a much more meaningful way. So this is somebody who knows you, they know your history, they may know your family, they know where you live, they have access possibly to your medical records. And so therefore it makes that encounter a very legitimate way to to see your patient. Okay. I like that because just thinking that I'm going to call somebody or use some app and not have a connection or a relationship with the person who's diagnosing me or offering me advice, I'm not sure that I would feel comfortable with, with that direction. I'm sure it has its uses, but I'm a people person. <laughs> And most and most physicians do appreciate that that really it, it needs to go deeper, and I think that physicians that do do these sort of you know video visits recognize and will say to patient, if this isn't working for you, you have to go see your doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of the the other barriers. So when you speak to a physician to get buy in, they say two things. How am I going to get paid and am I going to get sued? Mm -hmm. Because it is risky in a sense where if you don't know that patient, then, you know, it's the what if. What if the patient is short of breath and they're having a heart attack rather than having a cold? You know, so there's many things that go through our minds as, as doctors. It's not as simple as saying, I have a patient on a screen you know, with a red eye, they need an antibiotic, see you later. There's many diagnoses that, that go through our heads when we're, when we're talking to people. The second question 
am I going to be sued? How prevalent is that thinking with doctors in today's world? In general or with telemedicine? I would say in general. I think it depends on the provider. I honestly, in my life, um, I've never thought that way. I don't actually think of, that's not a thought in my brain. However, physicians who have been sued uh, and have been involved in lawsuits that you know may be considered frivolous or these are serious life-changing things for physicians um, and that ends up they practice medicine very defensively. That's a whole nother, mm-hmm. a whole nother can of worms. As far as risk management in telemedicine, the risks are basically the same as, as seeing a patient face-to-face. But because this technology is so new, we really haven't seen lawsuits come down the road yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. Well, I hope that lawsuits don't um, prevent this from becoming a, a real true benefit to people who are in great need of this resource. Because until you are stranded in your home, miles and miles away from a doctor in the wintertime or summertime, because you're immobile and you can't drive, then there's other people who are going to suffer for some unfortunate reason. Well, I totally agree. Another example that just popped into my head is we see cancer day in and day out. We all know people in Wyoming who've had to travel to Salt Lake City or Idaho Falls or wherever, Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson, we could go on and on and on. Many times these visits are just consultative, meaning that a patient has to get in their car, drive over passes, rent a hotel room, take days out of their lives to go and sit with a doctor for 15 minutes to say, how are you? How's that last chemo going? These are the changes we'd like to make. Where, why couldn't we be able to do that using a screen, a microphone, and the internet? Mm -hmm. We have the ability to do that. It's happening. It's just slow to happen. But I think it's inevitable. I think that the way that I foresee this in my my hyper-focused brain is that physicians are going to be seeing patients face-to-face in one room and then go back into their office and do a telemedicine visit and then go see a patient and then it's going to be a part of their working day. Do you foresee that this telehealth would end up being somebody teaching somebody how to stitch up a wound? Would it go, will it go that far? It's already happening. Is it? Absolutely. Okay. So when, when FaceTime started, mm-hmm. um, I utilized face, FaceTime to guide physicians in the Pinedale ER. It's not a true ER. But rather than have a patient have to come to my office for me to drain an abscess, that can be done in their emergency room, and I just guide the physician on where to put the knife. And, you know, these are physicians, these are skilled people that have been exposed to these things. And if you have a specialist on the other end that's watching them, suture or whatever, um, it's already happening all over the place. Okay. I was unaware at that 
level of medical service was being handled by a telemedicine. The other thing that's that's also been pervasive and positive is broadband. So that's another thing that we're focusing on in Wyoming is trying to get people connected with reliable internet. And so that's been uh, another proponent, and I've been in contact with the uh, our, our broadband manager, we have a new broadband manager in Wyoming uh, who is just awesome. And he and I are on the exact same page. And so he, he is also on that bandwagon of trying to connect patients to their physician with, with reliable internet. I'd love to talk to him because I think consistently our internet goes out. Even though we're on high-speed internet, it's almost guaranteed about once a month you're going to have internet issues, especially for a business in a main thoroughfare of, of this area. So I I hope it gets resolved because that will connect Wyoming to so many different opportunities by having reliable broadband internet. So Jackson is very lucky because our internet is a lot more reliable than Bag Wyoming or, you know, some podunk place that that has one building. It's another work in progress, and um, the governor is on board with telehealth. He loves the concept. Uh, we have a new director of the Wyoming Department of Health who used to be the president of CenturyLink, so he also clearly understands connectivity. Okay. What would telehealth do for healthcare costs? So the research has shown that... To me, it's kind of obvious that the economics, it's a cost savings to, to the patient. That concept in itself is, is difficult because I guess from a, from a common sense standpoint, telemedicine makes a lot of economic sense. If a parent doesn't have to take a day off of work, take their child out of school, find transportation, and travel to see their physician, then there, right, right then and there is a economic saving. Because if that parent just had to engage on a screen for a half hour, then that parent could get back to work, get back to what they're doing for the Wyoming economy, uh, and their kid doesn't have to miss school. Mm-hmm. Just transportation alone, even if you're even in a city, let's say, in a very crowded city of New York, why would somebody want to have to get in traffic, pay for parking to see a doctor for 15 minutes and wait in their lobby for an hour and a half? So ambulance care, putting you know elderly people in ambulances that sometimes, many times are not reimbursable, which happens in rural communities, so the answer to your question is there's huge cost savings with telemedicine. That's that's good to know. I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring on more technology to to help improve us. But I think what's important about what you had said earlier is this is not a way to just kind of create some factory type of situation where people are just seeing many many patients and there's not a connection to a doctor. Um, I think having that patient 
provider relationship is so important. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about connecting with people and technology is wonderful and it has so many ways to connect us, but also I think we're also seeing so many ways that it's also disconnecting. Well, having said that, I, I want to also say, and many physicians bring this up very clearly in the forefront of their head, is that not every visit is appropriate for telemedicine. And so patients do understand that if it's not working on the screen, they're going to have to come in and see their physician face-to-face. Or an initial visit to get to know that doctor is going to have to happen. So it's not a you know an answer for every possible thing. It's just another tool that we have to use for the physician and the patient to engage in a, in a different way, mm-hmm. in a meaningful way, but maybe not every single visit. Well said, and I appreciate you mentioning that. If people want to do some research on telehealth, what are some websites that they could use as reference tools? So the main website, which is fantastic, is the Wyoming Telehealth Network. So if you Google that, it'll... It'll bring you up to uh, the site, and it's out of Laramie through University of Wyoming. There's all kinds of things to learn about. There's um, links on the website. It is a work in progress. Um, We're really just becoming, really having more depth. It does have a list of providers that utilize telehealth that may or not be exactly up to date or exactly connecting you to a physician that that um, that is utilizing it these are maybe physicians that are very interested in it that want to start utilizing it I think what I've started to do is because physicians are so overwhelmed in their jobs every day that I have started to educate patients just like we're talking today and Stefan you're learning about what this is what you might do then is go to your physician or if you're ever in a situation and say to them do you by any chance utilize the technology of telehealth uh, to practice because I would like to utilize that and if you then plant the seed to the physician then they might start seeing okay patients are asking for this and I may want to investigate it more. Okay, well said. Well, Lisa, this has been an educational experience for me. I've learned so much from you today. And be safe out there on traveling these roads because it gets a bit sketchy at times. And thank you for being the medical practitioner that you are with how caring you are for your patients. Thanks, Stefan. It was wonderful talking with you and getting the word out to the public. I really appreciate it. Well, maybe the Wyoming Medical Society will let you be president again. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see what other positive things, initiatives you can do for medicine. Okay, that sounds sounds like a good idea, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a good day, Lisa. Thank you. Is it okay to pair beer with Beef Wellington? Does Merlot go with Red Bull? Not sure how to make the perfect bourbon and Coke? Well, the team at the liquor store of Jackson Hole can answer all of these questions plus more. Stop in at 115 Buffalo Way, Jackson, Wyoming, or visit us at tlsofjh.com to experience service that will knock your socks off. 
The liquor store has been serving the Jackson Hole Valley for over 35 years. Thank you everyone for tuning in today to the Jackson Hole Connection. I hope you have enjoyed listening and can take away a little nugget about life. I'm always looking for fun guests who have a connection to Jackson Hole. Know of someone who would be great to be on the show? Please send me an email to connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Jackson Hole Connection on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you receive your podcasts. A special shout out to my friend Luke Taylor for producing and providing the tunes for this podcast. Luke, you help bring it all together. Y'all come back again. You hear?